0: Alumni Voices podcast. I'm your host Josh Van Campen, and today we're going live into Sydney with AFL player Matt DeBoer of the GWS Giants. Matt, welcome. Thanks, Josh. Good to be here. Now the sports industry has been impacted by COVID-19. We've seen admin staff being stood down, seasons being cancelled. For you, everything's kind of on hold. So, how does an athlete like yourself handle the current COVID-19 pandemic?
1: Yeah, I think it would have taken us a little while to organise this podcast, but with a bit of extra <laughs> free time now, mate, it was actually yeah. organised with some agility. Um, yeah. yeah, obviously it's a, you know, I think there's a trending word at the moment of unprecedented, and you know that's it is fair. Uh, we are in uncharted waters, and everyone's just trying to navigate through it as best they can. Um, I think first and foremost, you know, we've got to abide by you know recommendations from the government and make sure we're doing our, our, bit, our bit individually and. You know, abiding by self-isolation and, and, and any other recommendations that are coming through. Um, I guess, secondly, you know, an athlete, as an athlete and as a leader of the football club, you know, where we're liaising with the club and, and the AFL on how to best manage the, the boys physically, mentally, you know, and financially, I guess. So, mm-hmm. throughout this period of, of uncertainty, so there's been a fair few conversations Um, especially with the leadership group you know to our staff and then and then to the AFL as well so yeah working all through those three things you know has been a bit of a process but we do it with great you know perspective on how the wider community are going and you know certainly feel for um you know businesses that are impacted and livelihoods that have been um you know turned upside down so and that's that's coming across to our, our staff members as well and and various other um you know, employees associated within the yeah. AFL, so no one's immune to this, and um, and we're all in it together. So just trying to make sure that there's a fair bit of positivity still, and um, and yeah, that we are obviously sticking together and keep, keeping those communication lines open.
0: So how do you keep positive through a time like this? Because you know, this should be up to about around three or four at the moment by the time this podcast comes out. So how do you, as a, as a leader in the club, keep everyone positive?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, and I, I think obviously first and foremost comes back to what's your what's your individual purpose and what what you're working towards you know, individually and collectively. You know, we know the season's on hold uh, indefinitely at, at the moment. I think they've got a, a date in mind. Whether that happens, you know, we'll see. It might get pushed back, but you know, collectively we're still aiming to you know be the inaugural. Giants Premiership side, so there's elements there that you know if you strip that back, what does that look like? How do we get there? It is still maintaining a a good you know fitness base. So the boys have programs we've taken away. You know we're in small mentor groups where we can touch base with each other, but making sure that we're you know ticking the, the physical physical boxes we need to so that when we do come back in a month we can hit the ground running and then you know obviously individually you've got your purposes around you know wanting to provide for your family wanting to make your family proud and um, elements of of mastery as well that you know individuals have so I think by tapping into that you know and then what, what the actions look like as a result of those those purposes that you've defined for yourself it can really um, catapult action and you know a sense of well-being from there.
0: So how does it you keep fit during this time? Because with the self isolation, you can't be, you know, physically in contact with your teammates. You know, does the team trainer send you workouts and exercises to keep fit?
1: Yeah, they have. So they've sent us a, a month schedule for us to to work through. Um, it's pretty defined. Obviously, they understand that at times, you know, it's not going to all be possible. But we're allowed to train with one other person. So I've got like Lucky Lucky keep who lives a few streets away and, and we catch up and, you know, do our running components together, you know, whilst still staying isolated. And, um, and yeah, and then obviously getting these days with GPS watches and, and data that we're able to collect, we're still able to make sure that we're hitting all the right parameters from that point of view. We've boys um, actually ransacked the club before we left. of all <laughs> sorts of kettlebells and um, dumbbells. I'm just staring around my, my room at the moment. I've actually got a Watt bike from the club in the back of the wow. back of my car. So um, the club obviously wanted us to take away as much equipment as we could just to make sure that we can get creative with exercises. You know, we're having communication with our strength and conditioning coaches on, on the elements we can do to make sure that we're, um, yeah, that we are staying in good shape and, and from an injury prevention point, point of view as well, because when we do come back, things will be ramped up pretty quickly. So it's all about periodizing, you know, through this, through this phase, but yeah there's um we've got programs we've got equipment, and um away we go
0: did you have to sign out any of that equipment because I know for me i'm working from home as we as we're doing this podcast, and I have to sign out you know the laptop that i that I took and the office chair that I took <laughs> is it the same for you guys?
1: I think that was a bit of a yeah box ticking exercise i don't know if it was too strict, but um <laughs> I had a fair bit of equipment at my house already which I might have to i I might have to own up to on on return <laughs> but <laughs> all in the uh Pursuit of being a late mate.
0: Now you've previously been a players' delegate for the AFL Players Association. Recently, the AFL players were asked to take a pay cut until May 31st. How does a player not only receive this information, but how does one react to taking a pay cut?
1: Yeah, well, first, firstly, with great you know perspective and gratitude and appreciation, and really of just how tough a lot of society is doing out there. Um, as I mentioned, you know our staff and friends included, who we absolutely love and adore, and um, appreciate their efforts so that's firstly. Um, and then, yeah, you know, with AFLPA, um, you know, we, we trust them to to negotiate on our behalf, and, and I just try and control the controllable after that. But we did have a, a league-wide um, league-wide chat, which was interesting on Zoom. It's good technology, but yep. everyone's di- dialing in and you know uh, encouraged to push mute, so there's no background noise. But um, yes, yeah, so we had the essentially the whole. Um, playing, you know, every playing player in the league sort of on this call with the with the Players Association CEO um, running that meeting, feeding through information, you know, sort of recommendations, and then we um, we have a uh, the AFLPA has a board as well, which players are on, one of which is Phil Davis, who's a teammate, you know, who I've been working closely with um, with my thoughts, and and they essentially um, yeah negotiate and, and agree to terms with the AFL, knowing that we all have to do our do our bit.
0: There was a lot of negativity in the AFL media in regards to the pay cut. You know, the AFL are asking for more, and the players decide. I don't know fifty fifty percent pay cut till thirty first is, is the way to go. How does someone like yourself kind of react to the media when they're basically saying, "Oh, you're being paid too much. You need to sacrifice more." I mean, it's easy for someone in the media to say that, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. And it's hard to, you know, I don't want to get in too much commentary there around different perspectives. But um as I said, yeah, I just try and control what I can. Um, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with the, the amount of work I, I do and um, for society and, and individually as well. And, you know, everyone's got their own goals and aspirations that they're trying to achieve. And everyone's also entitled to their opinion. Um, as I said, we delegate our authority to the Players Association to negotiate on our behalf and, and leave it up to them
0: now you're more than just an athlete who stays fit you keep mentally fit off the field you have a huge impact in the community but you're also a strategic consultant in IntelliCare Health Tech Solution Design to support people in remaining in an independent living environment for longer whether this be within their own home or retirement village or an aged care facility how are you in IntelliCare managing the current climate and the impact COVID has had on the business?
1: Yeah it's updating you know day to day and I, I guess just to Strip that back quickly. Yeah, it's obviously great um, working with an LA team off-field, you know, in, in telecare has been a great opportunity for me to to learn through the process as well, you know, after completing my UWA studies and some um, further study over here in, in Sydney with the Australian Institute of Company Directors course. Really wanted to get involved with a with company in, in the health and technology field and um, and yeah, just be able to provide that sort of support to IntelliCare. We're going towards an IPO um currently, which on the surface appears to be a, a poor time, but um <laughs> with the with the solution we offer to the to the elderly and you know, the ability for them to tr- stay home and more independent and, and isolated with um the ability for family and carers to provide that remote care is obviously never been a more important time. So yeah, we're talking to government, you know, we're talking to home care providers. Um, we're trying to be, you know, as adaptable as we can, you know, through this process, and um, and just try and communicate, you know, our value, and and try and get into the homes of of these family members, so that we can you know, add value and that in that peace of mind.
0: So why did you want to get into the health tech industry?
1: I think coming back to purpose, is it's just a great great industry to be in, um, knowing that the, you know, you're adding that serious value to to individuals and, and to family, and and having a real impact. I think it's easy to um you know for like it's not it's not work for me it doesn't feel like work at times when you're helping build something and i really enjoy you know coming home from from training at the end of the day and obviously working with the perth team um being three hours ahead over here is to my benefit so i can pull out the laptop and get on the phone and and and, um try and yeah i guess add value anywhere i can and and learn through the process you know under the ceo jason waller as an example
0: have you always been conscious about planning for life after footy? Because I guess when you got delisted by Fremantle, you weren't, I guess, necessarily sure your AFL career was gonna take off somewhere else. Uh, were you always planning for life after footy, even during your time here at Freo in Perth?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, sometimes with a source of anxiety, if I'm being completely honest, but sometimes <laughs> just with the, um, you know, just a genuine, you know, excitement of being involved in particularly small to medium businesses as well, and. Being able to have, have impact, I think, uh, through football and being in leadership groups, you can have impact and, um, you know, have a, have a say and, and, and see the value that that can have to the, to the organisation as well. So really have a minor obsession. I think my fiancé might say it's a bit stronger than that, but of, of getting involved with, um, with teams and, and people, you know, trying to achieve something, something great in, in, in the business sphere as well and just, yeah, just trying to build something, um, yeah, for everyone else that has value.
0: Now, something else you're involved in is you've been an ambassador for the Starlight Foundation since 2010, sitting on the advisory board for New South Wales since 2017. Has being on a board always been a goal of yours?
1: Yeah, it has. And I think, um, you know, coming back to the leadership group example, you know, it's not too dissimilar to a mini board in terms of, um, uh, you know, setting direction, you know, working on, on policy, temperature checks of, of culture, um yeah liaising and building a plan for the for, for the sustainable future so it's not not too dissimilar in that regard i mean you know as it was it always a goal to be on a board maybe not when i was 18 and just mm. cruising across the the oak lawn but um <laughs> certainly in more recent times as you know you get a bit older and, and and want to have impact i, th- I say that that is a, a way to do it and then after doing the uh, you know the aicd course over here in sydney saw it as more of a um you know, achievable, Goal, but um, yeah, I guess just stripping that back, you know, first, first and foremost, the the Starlight Foundation are, you know, a fantastic organisation that I was introduced to through um, my time at Fremantle, who have a great relationship with them and and the players and the staff, you know, add immense value, and you know, I've got a sort of fundamental belief that that everyone and but especially athletes should have a philanthropic, you know, side to them, and Mm. and just because of one, the value that they can. They can, um, deliver to others, but also, you know, it gives you a fair bit of perspective and, you know, appreciation of, of how lucky we are, you know, as an athlete or as a, um, you know, anyone in society, you know, especially when you walk into the, the wards at the, um, children's hospital or into the style express room to, to play with them and just how their, their faces, you know, really light up and, and the, um, and the family is just how appreciative they are that you're able to, you know, help help brighten the lives of, of the kids while they're going through this particularly tough period. Um and then when I moved over to Sydney, uh AFL's not as big over here as it is in, in Western Australia. So the kids um don't don't know who I am exactly, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> um but then yeah, wanted to really have impact at that board level as well. So essentially reached out to them and and say, um yeah, I'd love to be a part of it to help, you know, drive some action for
0: you. Do you have to educate some of the young players there at JWS to be philanthropic? Cause that's something that I guess when you come into a club, it's probably not, I guess, a priority for them. It's about, I guess, making the team for round one.
1: Yeah. It's something that, you know, develops over time, I think as well. And, you know, once, um, once again, coming back to culture, I think once players see older players doing something and understanding the benefits that they can come, you know, with gratitude and, mm. uh, and and perspective, they understand the benefits and the impact that they can have on others. It becomes really quite rewarding. So, yeah, initially they come in and and all I ask them to do is to, uh, is to work hard and push their limits, you know, more than they think they can, and then ask as many questions as, as they can as well. Um, and then you just add layers you know, the longer you have younger players in the system and you can start to educate them on other areas. But yeah, first and foremost, about the first year players, it's about them getting used to uh, the rigours of a of a full-time AFL gig.
0: Now, speaking of older players, you were a teammate of fellow UW grad Matthew Pavlich for many years. Uh, what did you learn from his leadership style, but also his growth?
1: Yeah, the the Pav, the Super Pav. Um, He asks, he asks to be called that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a lie. He'll probably listen to this. (laughs) Um, No, Pat, yeah, Pav was obviously, you know, a super leader for me to learn from, you know, at at my time at Fremantle. And, you know, we're still in touch and like to bounce ideas off him, um, you know, confidentially with, with the Giants team in mind. And, um, you know, specifically from him, you know, I just saw constant conviction, um, you know, presence in front of the group of his knowledge of, of game, you know, gameplay and nutrition and whatever it might be, just educating other people, just his drive to continually win, you know, well into his thirties when he'd been six time all Australian, just continually chasing that, that team success, um, just how stoic he was, you know, he was sort of unflappable in the way, you know, win, lose or draw, you know, he was just, he was constant, which was, which was great, um, and his ability to challenge authority as well, I think, you know, in a respectful way. But, you know, whether it was the coaches or the CEO, the management, he would always be um, have the players' you know, best interests at, you know, at heart and be able to provide them with perspective as well and not be afraid to, um, to step up when he needed to in that, in that regard. So, yeah, I try to um, yeah, learn as much as I can from him and, and continually bounce, bounce ideas off him. So he's uh, an ongoing sort of mentor for me, which I'm very grateful for.
0: Was there anything about his leadership style that surprised you?
1: Um, when he first called me, actually, I actually screened his call for the first time. So that was uh, a <laughs> good introduction, but, uh, surprised me. Um, it's a good question. I was probably, you know, constantly in awe of him, you know, early days. So it was all, it was all new to me, but reflecting back now, I think that was the, um, yeah, the, the, the leader that, you know, the club, club needed and, and, um, he provided, you know, that constant, that constant conviction and passion that, the, that really, um, yeah we went through the playing group on on a daily basis so just how consistent he was i think you know knowing that what goes inside your own head at, at times um and how the ups and downs that you can experience just just how consistent he was i think is is quite profound looking back on it
0: now leadership is a term that you know is broadly used and everyone has their own i guess definition you know what what does leadership mean to you
1: yeah, I think for me, you know, stripping it back, it's, it's, it's probably three simple things, um, which I've, you know, spoken to a couple of companies about before. And, and for me, it's, you know, one, modeling the correct behaviors, um, that, you know, that are consistent within your organization, two, building relationships with your, with your people and your employees, you know, within that organization. And then three, um, you know, really driving, driving that group forward as well because i think if you're you're not modeling the behaviors you know people just think you're um taking the taking the pee and um (laughs) if you if you don't have those relationships built you know sometimes your message can fall on deaf ears and you know if you're not driving you know the correct um behaviors forward and the principles that you want and you know or imparting knowledge or reigniting people's purposes if you're not driving people then you're not leading as well so i think if you can strip it down to those three of more you know model um, build and drive, then you're then you're well on your way.
0: Were you in any leadership positions before you arrived at Freeman? Um, oh, just loosely
1: at, at you know high school, um, you know, sports captain and and um, and maybe junior football captain as well at Swanborne Tigers, but not not anything too serious separate to that.
0: Looking back, you kind of wish you were given opportunities to maybe learn leadership attributes in your junior footy or do you think that it's maybe a little bit too young of a time to be looking too far ahead for leadership qualities
1: um yeah it's interesting I think it depends on the on the on the individual I think mm. uh, you know I always say that leaders are um are made they're not you know you're not born so mm. it, it is an incremental process of of, um, of of skills that you can learn I think it comes back to desire uh, first and foremost, I think if there's a desire to be a leader and there's desire to want to have impact, then you will. You'll start to put, you know, actions and behaviours mm. in place, and you'll and you'll ask people and you'll have those conversations that will improve your individual skill set. And I think once you realise the benefit it can have, you know, with our younger players. um well, as an example, when I was a younger player, just the the confidence I got from, from a Pav or a Luke McFarlane or a David Mundy, you know, that they could instill in me, you know, Ross Lyon, you know, our mm-hmm. coaches as well, our leaders. Um, the impact that that has, if you reflect on that and go, well, I would love to have that same, same impact on other people as well. I think that really drives mm-hmm. me to keep trying to, you know, read books, podcasts, speak to people these days and, and try and improve that skill set. So whether you start early, you start late, you start whenever, as soon as you've got that desire, you can, you can really catapult your growth.
0: Now let's go back to your time at UWA. What what was life like for you being a student athlete?
1: Um, oh it depends if we won on the weekend or not <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was it was really enjoyable. It was really enjoyable for me. You know, we'd have one day off a week, which was which was Monday, so I'd usually schedule my my shoots from for that day and, and we'd really look forward to getting in there and, and mixing it with my you know my classmates, i guess, and you know I, I was never one with a big profile, so um could always just go about my business, you know no problem, and yeah. really enjoyed i guess you know getting away from the distraction of a f l and the, the the performance uh element there and and really just being a being a student and you know tackling problems and and um yeah, and just walking around, you know, campus, I guess, and taking it all in. I probably didn't get to the the tab as much as I would have liked. Um, but you know, I can maybe go back in a few years when I'm when I'm back and enjoy yeah. that. But yeah, really enjoyed just, I guess, trying to um, achieve in another area as well, because you you know you get the feedback from exams or assignments, you know, just as well as you get a feedback from you know winning or losing a game. So mm. I think I enjoyed being able to um, challenge myself in another area
0: as well. Were you part of any guild clubs during your time there? I wasn't, unfortunately, no. <laughs> well, that's it. That's a, a question, done and done
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wish. I went to a, I went to a few events. I went to the UWA ball, and I went to a few other things. So, I was, nice. yeah, trying to try, try to get involved socially as much as I could. But um, yeah, still still stay in touch with a couple of my um, people I worked on a group assignments with, and those sort of things. So it's no. interesting where it can lead.
0: No. Did you ever feel like you're a normal student, and but were there ever times that any of your classmates ever got st- stuck into you with your performance on the weekend?
1: Every now and then, every now and then might be someone you and realised that we'd lost and saw a, saw an opening which is fine. Um, you got to <laughs> learn to. I was, just not, I was doing one to two units a semester, but I got flagged for that. They didn't understand the AFL was actually full time and I was only doing one to two units a semester, they thought that, that was laughable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, you've you not only studied UWA, you've also studied disruptive strategy with Harvard online. Uh, you can be quite disruptive on the field as a tagger. What have you learned from football that you've instilled into your studies? Yeah, the
1: the Harvard course, you know, online, it's great these days. I think I just wanted an excuse to buy a T-shirt and feel part <laughs> of it. But, yeah. Um, it was a great course, I actually recommend it to anyone sort of looking online especially in this time and looking for um yeah ways to sort of fill the days but um in terms of studies to to tagging um I guess the the attention to detail that you you have to have and you know, how to prepare both both physically and on the mechanics, but then you know also prepare mentally as well, you know from preparing for exams, which I guess ultimately is like game day um and preparing, you know, for football as well. So, I think you can, if you know that you prepare well, study well, you know, watch, and then linking to football, if you're um, doing everything on the track, ride in the gym, you know, in the in the classroom, as we call it, you know, in the, learning the game plan, studying mm-hmm. my opponents, et cetera. I know that when I get to game day, I can rest easy, knowing I've given myself, you know, my best chance. You know, similar to what you do with your study, I guess. So it doesn't doesn't guarantee success, but it's certainly mm-hmm. Gives me my best chance. And I guess that's how, um, how I'd approach it. And then I guess, you know, just iterating based off any feedback I got. So I lost an individual contest or you lose, you know, a game. It's like, okay, go back and review how I can get better, not to dissimilar to, um, you know, how you'd review, you know, review any exams or or practice, you know, mocks you do or assignments or feedback from your tutors is, is not being too disheartened by by that feedback and just, you know, having that growth mindset, which has been a bit of a buzzword the last few years, which is, I think, spot on on, on how you should approach, you know, any sort of short or um, you know, any results in the short term, you know, on the way to your, your goals.
0: Does the growth mindset in, I guess, re-looking at what you've done, does that include re-watching the 2019 AFL Grand Final that you guys went down to Richmond in? <laughs> Good question. Um, <laughs>
1: i have not i have not watched it i uh our coaches did and and I trust them to have broken that all down and um and giving us you know based off that mm. we uh we've made a few changes to our game plan and and um have you know really iterated forward in, in that regard and you know as i said oh, sorry as you could tell, we started the the season really well against Geelong and um you know our players came back. Fitter than they ever have, and, and we've got the healthiest list that, you know, that we've ever had. So um, just the, the sense of maturity that, that came from from last year. I think we had a great final series, and you know the boys really stood up in that regard. You know, obviously the the grand final was was devastating. It was um yeah it was disappointing, and we, we don't hide away from that regard. But I'm not sure there's too much to be learnt from that game. You know, but what our coaches can take away, I think will be will be important.
0: Yeah, is it? Can you learn a a lot from a loss like that? Because I could imagine—I know, admit myself as a fan. Like, must it take a lot for someone to relive such, you know, possibly one of the most exciting days of an AFL player's career to end in a losing fashion like that?
1: Yeah, not a lot went right, um, in twenty nineteen. Obviously twenty thirteen we certainly had our chances as mm-hmm. well and, and we definitely, you know, rewatched and, and went through that one. There's certain games where yeah, where things, you know, across your career just haven't gone completely right and and um, you know, you still take away, you don't get disheartened. You know, as I said, I came back to twenty twenty um full of optimism and, and ready to go and, you know, I my off season training program. So you you do feel it, um, without having to having to watch it and it does um, motivate you to to go on. So, yeah, uh, it depends on the individual as well. I think um, you can relive things, you know, or you can reflect upon it, put a strong plan in place, and go forward regardless.
0: Now, excellence is a habit, a motto people can see in your LinkedIn profile. What does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if I pinched that from Pav or created it myself, <laughs> or yeah, it's um, I think it's an it's an iteration from I believe Aristotle said something like so "We are we are what we repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence is not an act but a habit." So then I've sort mm-hmm. of just broken <laughs> that to you know, excellence is a habit. And I guess from that, you know, you, you sort of take away that it's not it's not just one thing. It's not a one-off. It's it's really building that habit, you know, that, that habitual excellence, and, and trying to be great, at, you know, as as many things and across the board as you can. And by building, you know, an elite habit in one area, it'll translate to the other. That's how I tend to think about sport. To, to business or study and, and vice versa. So just trying to build those, you know, elite habits, which I believe um, add up over time and, and then, um, yeah, add up to a, a great product, hopefully.
0: Now, mentoring is some, something that really big in the UWA community. We've seen students being mentored by alumni, alumni mentoring alumni. I'm, I'm curious, have you ever had a mentor and do you mentor yourself? Um, yeah, as I mentioned earlier,
1: Oh, Pav just pumped him up, but I uh, speak to speak to Pav a fair bit from a football context. But I like to think I've got you know plenty of of mentors, you know whether they know that or not. There's um, trusted people I, I reach out to regularly in in all sort of fields. I I love speaking to um, you know not only successful but just interesting people as well, um, and just trying to build a relationship, a genuine relationship with them, um, where I can hopefully add value to them, but. You know, learn from them and their experiences as well so yeah there's, there's certain people you know in wa and sydney that i that i speak to you know regularly um but also just looking for uh, any advice i ever can from you know podcasts or hmm. or books or whatever it might be I, you know so that i see those people as, as ongoing mentors as well
0: so are there some podcasts or books out there that you would recommend people to listen to or read
1: um, yeah, there's a, there's a few oh, legacy is a great book about the, about the all blacks culture, um, culture code is another good one. Um, the personal, personal MBAs is a great one, a bit more, um, technical, but that's, that's very good. Now there's a few books to keep your, your listeners happy, mate. And then on the podcast front, I really like, um, how I built this, which sort of goes through startup companies and, and how they, um, got to where they
0: did. So, is there something you wish you knew at age 18 that you know now?
1: Um, I think, oh, maybe to sell all my shares in December 2019. That would have been a good one. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, um, yeah, maybe around the, the mental skills. You know, I feel I have now, you know, around, you know, doubt and performance, and um, yeah, just how to how to cope with that. I think, and and. You know, giving yourself your best chance, which I've sort of touched upon, you know, earlier today. But yeah, just just the mental skills, I think, you know, that um, how to how to prepare best, knowing that you've, you know, to give yourself your best chance of performance. There's a lot of lot of doubt, you know, that can entertain you can entertain as a as a young player and coming into the AFL system. And um, yeah, I think I'm a much better place now and how to approach, you know, my sport and and life generally. So just um, yeah, how to prepare, I believe
0: yeah you touch on being mentally prepared do you has it come into your mindset to be mentally prepared that potentially this a f l season could be lost
1: yeah absolutely yeah absolutely so I'm really trying to stay engaged you know in in my off field endeavors whilst whilst staying fit uh, that's that's crucially important just in case but yeah yeah you know, it's boring it's a cliche but i mm-hmm. I genuinely just try and uh, control the controllable so Hopefully for you know, for everyone's sake, football's back because we know a lot of messages I was getting from people, you know, regarding the first round. Oh, how good is it is to have football, you know, in this chaotic time and, mm. and the hope that you know enjoyment people get out of that. So hopefully for everyone's sake that, you know, we do get back and, and get playing, but completely understand as well that we may not, you know, with the flattening of the curve may you know, may take um mm. a long while and that's that's the process behind it. So yeah, we'll we'll just say and, and have our fingers and toes crossed for that one.
0: Now, how is it there in Sydney? Because Sydney has probably been hit probably the hardest out of all the Australian capital cities. What is life like for you there at the moment?
1: Yeah. So um, I live sort of south of the city in in Surrey Hills and, um, you know, it's quite a densely populated area compared to, you know, Western Australia where everyone's pretty much self-isolated anyway. But um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, for me, you know, like you, I go out to train, you know, by myself, you know, or with one other teammate and then, um, and then, yeah, bunkering down, I might head out for um, to the shops if, if need be. But it, it is obviously a densely populated area. And um, you know, a few weeks ago when I was doing beach recovery and those sort of things, you could tell it was um, a little bit over the top with how everyone was sort of approaching it. So I think everyone's starting to hear the message now and, and um, get on board with what they know to be the right course of action.
0: Now, a few people have picked up a few hobbies uh, during this pandemic and working at this self-isolation. Are there any hobbies that you've uh, decided to start?
1: Um, I've got an online poker tournament that's coming up with some friends, just as a, <laughs> as a way to um, stay in touch. And it's uh, it's all play money, so we'll have some sort of consequence on the end of it, though I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and I've just become really adept at, at Zoom and you know all mm. these online platforms. But yeah, there's a couple of board games that I think we can play online as well. So. Yeah, really just enjoying um, enjoying that as a bit of a reward, I guess, at the end of the day.
0: (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know during season, it's probably unlikely we'd ever have this chat, but, you know, given the current situation we're we're dealing with, I really did appreciate the time you've taken today and uh, look forward to seeing the AFL season, hopefully get up and running and hopefully GWS uh, are on the last, well, won't be the last day of September potentially, but uh, hopefully you can win that elusive flag.
1: No worries. Thanks, Josh, and all the best to everyone out there listening.